behind the story of Joseph being confronted with a difficult choice is a lesson in what it means to be powerless when God acts. Richard Helmer delivered this sermon on the fourth Sunday of Advent, December 23, 2007. In the name of the God of Joseph, Amen. I'm going to open my sermon this morning by addressing the men in the room. Many of us probably know how Joseph might have felt in today's story. Many fathers do, many husbands do. For myself, during Hiroko's pregnancy, and even more so as she gave birth, I was at best a supportive bystander. Maybe I was paying a lot of the bills, but who cares? What is writing a check when a new life is being knit together in the womb? What is it to push papers and write sermons when a miracle that predates history is happening slowly and uncontrollably in your living room, and even with all that modern medicine has to offer, you have virtually no control in determining its outcome? We fathers might feel that perhaps after the child is born, we have a little more influence over events. Well, for me, it's over four years later, and I'm still feeling as powerless as ever. (laughs) Joseph is perhaps one of the more enigmatic characters of the canonical Gospels. He appears almost solely in the birth narratives of Matthew and Luke, and then mysteriously checks out the storyline by the time Jesus is a grown man. The harder I look at the passages about him, the more peculiar they become. We might think Joseph would be more important in Jesus' life, passing along to him all the secrets of the carpentry trade, presumably even the keys to the household itself and the obligation of caring for the family. Yet of all the family members around Jesus, it is Mary who will come to the fore in the tradition. Almost powerless Mary betrothed to Joseph in a classically arranged first century marriage, and yet, as the tradition has her, she is the mother of God. And Joseph recedes into the background of the story. Today's gospel reading shows him at his very best, and yet his involvement will be brief and truncated. Joseph is startled to discover the woman betrothed to him is pregnant, And being a decent sort of man, he does what society might expect him to do to preserve family honor. He starts to contemplate a quiet dismissal of a woman who was unable to retain her purity before marriage. Make no mistake, Joseph could have held on to his reputation and might have even enhanced it by breaking off the engagement. It would have been the powerful thing to do, perfectly within his rights, It would have been the manly thing to do in his culture, where to be powerful and in control was what being a man meant. So we can argue the whys and wherefores of angelic interventions, but Joseph's decision to marry her anyway is probably among the riskiest things we ever see him doing. 
He's just thrown his family honor on the line. His manly dignity might well become the fodder of gossip and icy stares in town. Indeed, his business, his livelihood, all of it together might suffer from the simple impurity of it all. Little does he know, like most of us guys, these ought to be the least of his concerns about what his commitment to Mary and this child means, this child who is destined to save his people from their sins. Today's reading from Isaiah, the prophet opens by asking Ahaz, in fact, in the voice of God, Ahaz is asked if he desires a sign. Ahaz is yet another king in that long list of notorious rulers of ancient Judah. In fact, notoriety is something that Ahaz excels at. Like so many of his kin, Ahaz suffered from an overinflated sense of power, self-serving tendency, and rank idolatry. Ahaz excels at wickedness. So much so that after his death, his body is not even laid in the traditional resting place of kings. In this rather cryptic text from Isaiah, Ahaz is fearful for the king of Aram and the prince of Israel have recently united in an attempt to overthrow Jerusalem. So when Ahaz is offered a sign, he utters in a poetic kingly way, what we might shrink down in today's vernacular like this. No thanks. No thanks. Ahaz might be wicked, but he's not stupid when it comes to God. Signs from God are profoundly dangerous, especially to kings. And when prophets offer them, generally all bets are off. But Ahaz is foolish enough to think that his refusal will be enough because when we refuse signs from God, normally we get them anyway. And so he gets one, and the prophet tells King Ahaz in no uncertain terms that Emmanuel, God with us, will not appear through any will or effort of the king or of any other temporal power for that matter. The sign is itself a symbol of the hubris of worldly kings. Indeed, the prophecy concludes with the chilling prediction that Judah will be empty before the child comes of age. Ahaz is caught in his foolishness of turning to the king of Assyria, who will come and empty the lands, and all of his schemes will come to naught. And of course, contained in this passage is the now immortal line about a young woman, a virgin, conceiving. And since early Christian times, our spiritual ancestors were taught to hear it as a prediction of the Messiah, a sign enshrined in the Hebrew scriptures pointing towards the coming of Christ. Indeed, the virgin birth transcends time from the prophecy to the story of today's gospel as a plaintive reminder to all that are powerful, not least of which are men in this world, that God does not act among us in ways of domination or control. For Mary to conceive without a man's action is not simply Christian tradition or some litmus test for orthodoxy, but it's a profound statement at how God touches the powerless. And 
when the powerless are touched by God, the only thing the usually powerful can do is just stand by and watch in awe and perhaps tremble. For indeed, when radical grace is promised and given, our role is very much like Joseph's, powerless at first, where the tried and trusted ways of dealing with the challenges of life no longer work, and all is rendered truly impotent by God. This is one of the great truths the Christmas story holds for us, especially as residents of Marin County. Powerlessness always belongs to someone else, not us. We are the powerful, those most able to help with our qualifications and our expertise and our sharp wits. We are the ones in charge. When something goes wrong, like good carpenters, we know how to fix it. When something is awry or there's a problem too difficult, we can solve it. We are the Ahazes when we're bad and the Josephs when we're good and our plane used to power selves when we're somewhere in between. But God tells us through the incarnation that we are not in charge. Not one of us. And indeed, most of us have confronted times in our lives when we have wilted out of fear, when the bottom has dropped out and we have been faced with awful vulnerability and all of our work to be in control seems a wreckage. But that's where God's opening is in us, where Emmanuel can enter our lives and remake them. We might, in response, retreat, as Ahaz did, from humbling himself before a sign. Or we might, as Joseph did, throw everything on the line and let the power go and let all bets truly be off. God is now in charge. Either way, we are no longer in control. And that perhaps ought to terrify us more than edify us this time of year. And then it might inspire us to put down our power long enough to enter the transformation that God offers us in Christ, in the bread and the wine, in the shared prayers, and in our confessions, if nothing else, our confessions of a general humility that we go to church. We go to church in a culture that, broadly speaking, wants nothing at all to do with religion, organized or disorganized that our spirituality feels vulnerable to many jaundiced eyes, and it might just make us a little less powerful than we would like. The end of the story of Christmas is a shocking image of a fragile child. This God, our God, joining the true nature that we all share. That all now includes God, who shirks the powers of this world as we all must, sooner or later. Because then we are open to the truer power of compassion. A compassion that Joseph discovers in himself today, and so he stays. The sort of compassionate power that God gives us daring to hope that it could restore the world to wholeness. 
Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.